It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Gamecock Nation, what is up? Welcome, man. It is GC Live. He is Chris Clark. I am Wes Mitchell. Chris rocking his GamecockCentral.com shirt that is uh, perfectly framed up on the screen as well. Um, we we got to get that merch store going, Chris. That That is the most requested GC shirt we have ever had. Anytime I've wore um, any of those, my gray one was kind of my go-to. Um, they will always get questions about how can I get that? Where can I get that? Hopefully one day, maybe one day soon, little tease there, you can get your own. But uh, Chris, this is a game day Eve, Eve episode. I guess this is kind of serving as our Friday show. Obviously the game moved to Thursday. Uh, that news coming out on Tuesday. And uh, so this will be kind of our, our final thoughts. We'll still have before the sandstorm going with Kendall Smith at some point on game day, still working out the details there. But this will kind of be our final big picture break uh, breakdown preview, however you want to say it, of South Carolina versus SC State. Now a 7 p.m. kickoff on Thursday. Uh, but first, I want to tell you about our friend Clint Hammond, Clint Hammond, the Mortgage Network, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933. As always, if you're in the market for a new home, uh, and right now it is a scary world out there, give Clint a shout. He'll help walk you through that process. Um, Hunter saying no media from Sat and Clayton today. That's whack. Um, I mean, Hunter, I would rather my coaches be paying attention to getting ready for the game they have tomorrow than talking to us idiots. So uh, (laughs) if that's our biggest issue today, uh, that they didn't do media when they do media every single week, which is way more than coordinators ever did under Muschamp, um, I can't agree with uh, the argument there. So, Chris, uh, interesting matchup. What do you what do you think the game plan will be for South Carolina? I mean, you got to imagine with a short week, an opponent that no disrespect should be overmatched again. It's probably going to be at least a similar package of plays as far as the game plan goes from a South Carolina perspective. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, that's where my head automatically went. Like, first thought I had when starting to analyze this game, watching some SC State, watching, you know, going back and looking at, you know, stats obviously can be liars, Wes. But when you look at a game, sometimes you have to look at the stats to contextualize what you're seeing. And looking at that for SC State, that's where my head went, is that this is another team for the second week in a row that's going to come in and have a talent, size, skill, depth, deficit relative to South Carolina. And there's not many games because of where South Carolina's at and the competition level South Carolina plays. We're not going to say that many weeks. In fact, this is probably three weeks out of the season we will say that. And and certainly with Charlotte, with SC State, that's the case. But I think there's some carryover and some similarities between 
last week and this week. That being that this is another team that comes in, they're reeling some in terms of record, they're reeling some defensively. And you just look, Wes, at what SC State's done defensively uh, this season. First of all, they're one and two. They sustained a blowout loss to UCF early in the season, 56 to 10. They did beat Bethune-Cookman on the road, but they lost to North Carolina A&T, who at that point was winless, 0-3. They lost that game. And defensively, I looked, you know, watched those games or watched the ones that I could, could check out two of them. And then I looked at what they surrendered defensively, and it was tough sledding for them in terms of run defense. Gave up 292 to UCF on the ground. Gave up 284, including 6.3 yards a carry to A&T. And even in a win over Bethune-Cookman, they gave up 191. And so last week, what did we see against Charlotte? A defense that you know is overmatched, has been struggling. Carolina keeps it simple. They, for the most part, ran the ball, some quick game, kept things simple, and they were able to go out and just execute their game plan. And I think, Wes, it's probably going to be more of the same on Thursday. I, I, I keep hoping I don't say Saturday. Thursday, tomorrow is the game. Probably more of the same. I'm sure I've already said Saturday at least once, and Pearson <laughs> called me out on the radio. Right. I've probably said it multiple times and haven't even caught it. But um, – you know, I think it's an interesting thought. If I'm South Carolina um, and I'm able to sort of go at will as far as I like kind of just do whatever I want, I do wonder if they won't try to work on the passing game a little bit more if they're in control of the game even, you know. Like, I, I look at last week, and if you went in saying, look, we have got to establish the run. We have got to build some confidence in the running game. Got to get Marshawn Lloyd going. Like, if that was your thought process as a coaching staff, um, then, you know, ding, check mark. You did that. You got Lloyd going. You got some other backs going. Built some confidence on the offensive line. If I'm looking at this from a bigger picture standpoint, part of me is going, all right, we, we've improved at least internally on the execution of the run game. Let's go into these next few games where you're going to have to have the passing game and try to work on it a bit this week. Knowing against this opponent, man, the running game should be there, should be available, I would think. The thing I liked about what they did this past Saturday is that, Chris, even if they got behind schedule, behind the sticks, the holding call that put them in first and 20. They were still able to run the ball on second and long or throw quick screens on second and long and get the get back on schedule. Against better opponents, you can't always do that. You usually can't. So I would think if you want to work on the passing game a bit, throw on first down a bit, try to get Rattler going, try to get, you know, kind of work on that timing, that would maybe be available to them but within the same package of plays. the same. I imagine the game plan itself, like the plays they take to this game, are going to be very similar to what they took in last week. But you could maybe call it a little bit different from a play-calling standpoint while still leaning on the running game but working on intermediate and downfield passing. I'm not saying that's what they'll do. I haven't heard that at all. But I just wonder if 
stats, a thought process, because you're going to need the passing game these next few weeks. Yeah, you are. And we know that Shane Beamer, look, has talked about that before the season. And I think even after the first game, maybe the first couple of games that came up and that this is a new quarterback, some new receivers, um, a new and a new offense for those guys, for those newcomers. And so, uh, you know, you look at Austin Stogner and he obviously has a rapport with Spencer Rattler, but both those guys are in a new offense. Juice Wells in a new offense. Uh, some other guys a year older and the timing, you know, is still, they're still working on it. I think you saw that even in Arkansas, you know, it's the best passing performance statistically for South Carolina this year. You saw some near hits or some near misses, however you want to classify it in the Arkansas game. And so the, it still hasn't fully clicked. I thought Wes, one thing I did think in the Charlotte game is that we would have seen a few more big explosive passes, you know, few more, you know, a few true deep balls from Spencer out there where the ball's traveling, you know, 40 yards in there or something like that. Uh, not f- about 50 yards across the field, but like we saw to that, that amazing 30 in Marion Brown, but some more deep passes. And looking at SC State secondary, I have a similar feeling to what I thought against Charlotte in that there's the potential to have some explosive passes in this game. But I think you're right. You can – you can still distill it down into the framework of your offense. Go run what you run. You don't need to call a bunch of shot plays because you're playing from behind or you feel like that's what you've got to do to win the football game. You can go call some shot plays because you feel like you can do it within the framework of the offense. Play action. You know, hey, we like this matchup. We've got Jalen Brooks on a corner in single coverage, something like that, within the framework and I think, look, do people feel like the offense is fixed after Charlotte? No, you, you shouldn't. But were they able to provide somewhat of a blueprint of maybe what this team should be? Maybe so. And maybe you've got another opportunity this week to go and, you know, have another performance that can build some confidence and help in-game with those timing issues. Yeah, Travis Ford uh, time, uh, chiming in saying uh, these games reveal nothing. You know, Travis – it, it probably d- reveals very little in terms of um, your overall team and what they're going to do versus SEC competition. But, um, you know, I'll I'll push back on the idea that it, it reveals nothing at all. I mean, if if that was the case, why why would you why do you scrimmage people? Why do you even practice if reps mean nothing? Um, why you know why do you even play the games? Why wouldn't you just go out there and and play? against SEC teams? Why would you scrimmage yourself? Why would you have a spring game? Like, I I think these games reveal very little in terms of what you do against better opponents, but in terms of getting guys going, getting, you know, helping guys build confidence, building timing, um, revealing sometimes even who your best players are, though there can be fool's gold involved in that. Um, Disagree entirely that it reveals absolutely nothing. I think that's a little over the top. Like, you can – you can learn something about your team from how they go about these games, and that that's why you have upsets as well. So, um, yeah, South Carolina should win the game. I feel very confident in saying South Carolina will win the game. If nothing else is working, they'll just hand the ball to their running backs and pound this game out. Like that, They'll fall back on that if they have to. Me personally, I would like to see them show some balance, hit some of those deep balls, and show more improvement 
and what they can build on moving forward, um, you know, as far as getting ready for a Kentucky team that obviously is going to be a huge jump up in competition. Um, interesting team SC State is. They um, ended up obviously going to a bowl game last year, beating Deion Sanders, Jackson State team, and uh, finished on a really high note. And then, you know, Chris, they haven't really played that well, as you said, this year. They do have some good players. They have some guys that um, I'm familiar with, either A, from what they did late last year, or B, guys, a few guys I remember in recruiting. Um, You know, I I would look at Shaq Davis, the wide receiver, 6'5", playmaker, a guy they like to throw the football down the field to. I mean, arguably their best player. Like, he's definitely up there. Um, You know, I look at him, and I'll, I'll go through a couple other guys here in a second, but this is a run first team. They run the ball more than they have thrown the ball so far this year. In today's age, that's a little bit um, against the grain. But their best player may be Shaq Davis on the outside, who's big and can run. So interesting matchup maybe with him and Cam Smith potentially. Yeah, and Shane Beamer talked a lot about him. And you could tell Beamer pretty clearly – um, you know, s- says it in the media, but you can tell it's matching what he's telling the team in that he is, I believe, pretty concerned about not having anyone overlook this game because it's, quote-unquote, just SC State or their level of competition or maybe if you're feeling yourself after beating Charlotte at home, whatever it may be, he is trying to push back on that. And so he was very much making the case that they have some good players, they have some guys that have NFL potential, and you look at Shaq Davis, I think he has a 87-yard touchdown this year. He's their leading guy. He's a big, long guy uh, who can who can get over the top of you downfield and uh, has, has a big frame. Um, their quarterback, Corey Fields, who is a really good prep player here in South Carolina, um, he's a capable passer. You know, you look at him during the course of his career, he's got a lot of experience, but he's hovering around 50% accuracy, you know, so he, for his career. Uh, including this season. So he's had some issues with accuracy at times. So that does seem to be the prescription is to stop that run game. Kendrell Flowers, Wes, from uh, Irmo, uh, transfer from Wake Forest, is another one of their guys they have who will be their lead back, who's had a pretty good year as well. So that will certainly be the focus for South Carolina is trying to stop the run on that side of the ball. Yeah, I was going to mention Kendrell Flowers. We watched him uh, in camp settings, and South Carolina – I don't, I don't, I don't know how close they were to offering. I guess it maybe depends on who you ask, but they were definitely in the thought process. They were definitely evaluating Flowers out of high school, and uh, he ended up going to Wake Forest, uh, started his career there, and then ends up transferring to SC State, where he is their um, leading running back and uh, a, a good player. Like there, there are some good players on this roster. I, I think you look, they they just don't have the overall talent that obviously a South Carolina would, but I mean, there are absolutely players on the roster and and every year there are guys from SC state that end up being potential, you know, NFL players. There's four hall of there's four NFL hall of famers in SC state's football history. So um, it it seems like this program over the years has been able to get guys that have maybe um, slipped from an evaluation process past South Carolina and Clemson and some of the other programs and then just done a phenomenal job of finding those guys. I mean, I remember B.J. Davis, who was playing linebacker for them, 
I think he's from South Point, right? Like I I remember him playing receiver, I think, and seeing him at a camp. And the word was like, this guy is an incredible athlete, just needs needs a home and needs somewhere to develop him. Because uh, I think he was one of those guys that hadn't played a bunch of football in his life and uh, was just a raw, great athlete. And now, Chris, I think he's leading them in tackles. Like, he's playing linebacker. They have a couple of good linebackers, I think, and uh, appears to be playing very well for them right now. Yeah, B.J. Davis, you're exactly right on, on what you remember there. It has uh, That is their top defensive player. He has 16 uh, tackles and a pair of interceptions this season. That includes one, West that he returned 94 yards for a touchdown. So that should, you got a linebacker that's running 94 yards for a touchdown. I don't care if you and I are trying to run him down. That's pretty good, you know. Um, ah, no, nah, that's overstating it a little bit. The the competition, regardless, if you're playing college ball and you're a linebacker who can return a, a pick six 94 yards, you got some athleticism. So, and that's another guy I think that Shane Beamer uh, shouted out. By the way, Wes, unearth another one for you here. Um, last week, North Carolina A&T watched a little bit more of that game earlier today. Guy who had a touchdown catch in that game for A&T, none other than Jakari Caldwell, another Rock Hill product who formerly played for the Gamecocks. Saw him uh, saw him on there today. Hey, also, two housekeeping notes. Uh, Lady Bree, appreciate you joining Gamecock Central. I know I noticed you said you did not get your Founders Club hat. There's a link on the Insiders Forum. Uh, you also asked where the Insiders Forum is. Go to GamecockCentral.com. At the top tab, you'll see something that says Forums on the navigation. Click on the Insiders Forum. If you're a member, you'll have access there. And then our guy Craig wanted to get an on three hat, Wes. I uh, I can't hook you up, Craig, at this point. I don't have any way to do that. But if you go to outsider.com and go to the on three shop, you will be able to order yourself one if you really would like one. Yeah, and we maybe take this for granted. Uh, the Insider Forum, Lady Bree, is probably <laughs> the heart of Gamecock Central. So – if you've got a subscription and you haven't been on there yet, like you're missing out on a huge part of the GC community. So go check yep. that out. Um, that comes with your subscription. Um, you know, and it, it's really probably the foundation of what GC is. So go check that out. Post, um, give your thoughts, respond, all that good stuff. But um, yeah, so, so somebody on here said we're going Lou Holtz here about our opponent. No, I mean we're Bill and Mary. <laughs> yeah, I I don't I don't think that's what we're doing. I think we're just trying to tell you about who they yeah. are. Um, I mean, I, my prediction. I mean, I have Carolina winning by a lot. <laughs> Me too. Like quite a quite a bit, but I but I also think I think this could be one of those like this could be one of those business like wins for South Carolina. Because here's the thing, if SC State just says we're going to run the football first and South Carolina says, well, we're going to run the football and everybody has sort of a generic game plan because it's a short week, South Carolina's trying to get into back into SEC play healthy. SC State, Frank, you know, let's be honest, from the other side, their in-conference play means more to them in in reality than this game does either you know right. too 
So I can see both sides. Just This could just be one of those games where it kind of – the clock is constantly running. Both sides run the football. It could be a short game to where, you know, it could be like 33 to 3 or something. It could be 40, 40 to 10. Like it – y'all are acting like it's necessarily going to be – it's not necessarily going to be like 70 to three or just a complete vaccine, right. you know, like it, I, I don't necessarily see it like that. Like I could see it just being a business like South Carolina win. I, I think it's good to have, to show healthy respect for, for SC state because for their, for the level they play at, like this is a talented team. That doesn't mean we're sitting here saying they're going to come in and beat South <laughs> Carolina on Thursday. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I think we're just trying to, do our diligence and telling people, I mean, if you want to know any of the players you may see on the opposing team on Saturday, this is who they are. And some of them are good. They don't have a, a roster full of guys at South Carolina's level or a power five level or a group of five level that they, they, they don't have that, but they do have some guys, you know, to watch who have some ability. Um, Kendrell flowers is, you know, an ACC transfer Shaq Davis, I think could certainly be a guy that could, play at a higher level. Same thing for BJ Davis. So um, yeah, just, just trying to let everybody know what the plan is, but I think you, I think you make a good point there about the game plan. I mean, this is also a shorter week, not that a couple extra days of prep Wes is going to give you some, you know, unlock some game, you know, a bunch more plays of a much bigger, more robust game plan for South Carolina offensively or defensively, or even on special teams. But it may give you, you know, with Shane Beamer when he's planning things out, mapping things out for this game, it probably does give you a little bit of, okay, let's let's keep this very simple. You're probably already thinking keep it simple going into this game because you don't have to do as much, similar to Charlotte. You do want to just get out of there. But you also, Wes, want to be in position in this game to go put your foot on the gas and win this game early so that you're not worrying about it, rest your guys up, give them a couple extra days for Kentucky. But you have to go out and play well. And to that end, Wes, one thing I'm looking for, the offense finally got their faster start last week. They didn't score a touchdown on the opening drive, but they scored on every meaningful possession from the beginning of that game. Can the defense finally turn in a fast start? Can they force a three and out to start the game. Can they force a few punts at the start of the game? That's something that I'll be watching for. I think they should, given the competition level. But, uh, you know, we're not talking about this SC State offense in the same terms as we did with Charlotte. Mm-hmm. We figured Charlotte would cause some issues. SC State can cause some, but I think you're not quite as concerned there about them going up and down the field. Definitely, and I, I want to explore that. Uh, before we do, though, going to tell you all about our friends at Liberty Tax, uh, 803-462-5576. Uh, the tax team at Liberty Tax is here for you all year long. Uh, if you filed an extension this year, the deadline for you is coming up soon. Uh, that is October 15th. If you got some back taxes you haven't filed, if you owe a debt to the IRS, um, no blame, no shame. Go to the nice folks here locally to help you get straightened out. Local folks, convenient locations, friendly staff, uh, the tax team at Liberty Tax is in Irmo, Columbia, and Lexington. That's 1123 South Lake Drive in Lexington, 7467 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, and 551 St. Andrews Road, Columbia. Again, 803-462-5576. Uh, 
Uh, Chris, you know, I, there was a question on here. I think we can explore what 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 is realistic as far as South Carolina offensive output against this team, maybe compared to Charlotte. And I kind of thought of that question first, just what it is on the surface, South Carolina offense against SC State's defense. But then I almost want to pair it in with what you just said. There is a, a sense early on Carolina was moving the football against Charlotte, but Charlotte was moving the football through the air, but methodically to the point that Carolina's offense was not getting many possessions at the beginning of this game against Charlotte. SC State probably going to try to move the ball on the ground, so clock's going to keep moving, but I'm with you. I I think this could be the game the defense is able to kind of clamp down. A lot of it will be about, uh, you know, the opponent. It's about the matchup, which could, even if it is kind of a shortened game, both teams running, there could be more opportunities for Carolina's offense to go score. So I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth on this. could be a business-like thing, but it could be an opportunity for the offense to get several more possessions, at least in the first half when the game is sort of in the balance. In the second half, I'm with you, man. If I'm South Carolina, if I can get up, I'm getting Doty in there, getting you know some backups in there, and just letting all those guys go play. Yeah, and I think look, it comes down to explosive plays too, and then what you're doing. It was kind of if you just looked at the box score at halftime of last week, you've said, "Oh boy, there goes the offense again. They're stinking it up right in the first half." But as you noted, and and yeah, they should have scored a touchdown on that first drive. I think, you know, messed up down there in the red zone. But they scored on, what was it, eight possessions, West straight? You just didn't get a lot in the first half because Charlotte was taking time. It was a lot of dink and dunk. There's a lot of third downs that they were then converting, like on screen plays, you know, where they were getting 15, 20 yards, 12 yards, whatever they needed. Um, so just not a lot of possessions there. Here, if you're forcing three and outs, and then whether you're running or passing offensively, if you're getting uh, not just moving the chains, but getting big chunks or hitting explosive plays, you have a 65, 70-yard run, you can get up early and and still do some damage and then limit your opponent's offensive possessions. I think, you know, you, you look at some of those games. You remember the other day, Wes, we were talking about that Troy game uh, in the Spurrier era that I think was at 69-24. to 24. I think Marcus Lattimore scored like three rushing touchdowns in the first quarter of that game. So that shows you, you know, you're hitting these chunk plays, these explosive plays. You can still run the football and do that. And certainly some of South Carolina's most explosive plays last week were with Marshawn Lloyd running the football. So um, I think there'll be opportunities pass and run to do that. I think everybody would feel better in this contest if you can go score a couple touchdowns not just in the first half, but in the first quarter. Yeah, and I, man, that that game, it's, I think Marcus had – he probably had 100 yards rushing just within the first three drives, I think. Like, it was it was incredible how quick he started in that game. And, you know, I, I think it could be a game like this. And, and as always, we talked about it going into the game with Charlotte. If you can turn over an opponent like this and force some, some turnovers, when you have takeaways, it can just snowball. And 
that's exactly what happened to Charlotte. They started trying to do a little too much. The rush started getting there, and uh, it created some turnovers, and then poof, the game is over. And so, yeah, the offense was being efficient, scoring every time they had the ball, but they really just put them away with the turnovers. Could be an opportunity for that here. Or, you know, if SC State gets down, they could just run the football and and try to get out of town as well. Like it, some some of the score. I don't know if the score matters to be honest with y'all. Like the score of this game, uh, you know, as long as South Carolina wins and wins handily, the score itself may not tell the story whatsoever of the game. That the score is going to be dictated also by game flow and how these coaches kind of decide to play this and how they decide to structure what they want to do. Um, Injury-wise, Chris, man, I, I think this gives you another week to kind of, if guys are banged up, you can hold them out. Darius Rush is listed as questionable. Um, Dylan Wanham listed as doubtful. Um, I would be shocked if either one of those guys sees the field this week. Uh, shortened week. You know, if Wanham's doubtful anyway, then, you know, he's not going to play. And then I – I would be very, very surprised if they roll Rush on back out there on a short week. I think they'll wait and get him ready for Kentucky. But, you know, I thought it was a good sign for the overall health of this team that you saw Cam Smith out there. You saw Boogie Huntley. Um, you saw R.J. Roderick kind of re-adding some depth there at safety. You know, they, they could be getting – obviously, the Jordan Strong and Mo Kaba injuries are going to hang over their heads all season long. But other than that, as far as the just banged up guys, they have started to find their health going into this key stretch after SC State. Yeah, and I, I know we've covered this, but the getting the depth back and the secondary was huge. I mean, Cam Smith is one of the better cover guys in the country. He's even been mocked as a – that doesn't mean everything, but people think highly enough of him to mock him in the first round in some instances. He has that kind of ability. So just getting a guy of that caliber back is huge, but even – you know, getting R.J. Roger back. Now, he's obviously been, you know, basically passed over for Nick Heeman-Worry because Nick has been playing so well at safety. But he R.J.'s a guy that's played a lot of football, and Shane Beamer even pointed out this week, his press conference, that, hey, now Nick Heeman-Worry doesn't have to play 70 snaps, you know, a game. And mm -hmm. if he's having to play – if any starter's having to play 70 snaps in this game, then something's gone – a lot more wrong than we anticipated, but being able to get those back guys back is substantial. And this is one West where, yeah, you want to hold out your starters. And then this is a game where you want to, again, that's why I talk about the fast start, getting, getting this game to halftime with it basically being decided. That should be the ultimate goal here. Obviously winning is number one, but you, you don't want to have SC state lingering, you know, in the third quarter, because you want to be able to roll some other guys in there get out of there with no injuries, preserve your depth, and, and then even help build some by getting some youngsters some uh, some playing time. Yeah, speaking of some of those guys, man, we saw a lot of them get in there late, uh, you know, against Charlotte. It was the opposite of against Georgia. South Carolina got a bunch of guys in because they were down big, got them in for a much better reason this time because they were up big. Um, any, any guys that caught your eye, man? I mean, I, I've tried to watch some of those kids, like, uh, Donovan uh, Westmoreland has got in a bunch as kind of a, a third team linebacker with some of the injuries there. Um, Joey Hunter made an appearance at nickelback late. Um, I get the feeling 
they're almost kind of locking DQ Smith into that nickel spot as much as they they played him every meaningful snap at nickel from what I saw against Charlotte. Um, you know, with RJ, Eamon Worry, and Ar- and uh, Devani kind of as your three for two spots at safety, they they may just lock DQ Smith in at at nickel and just let him kind of learn and, and progress there. Like, I, I think he's got a chance to be really good there. Um, but uh, there were some other guys, man. I'll tell you what, and again, we're completely overanalyzing because you're you're talking about second and third teamers against backups in garbage time. Um, I thought Kaysen Henry looked the part at right tackle. Um, I thought Dre Martin looked the part at, uh, at defensive tackle. Um, and you know what? I felt like, uh, John Darius Morgan, I think he's still kind of reshaping his body a little bit. Like, I I think he needs to continue to reshape, but he looked like somebody who wanted to hit somebody. Like he, he had some attitude about him. And when the second and third team got in, there was some energy. Like they, they were like excited to play. You could tell, um, what, what did you think of some of those guys that got in there late? Yeah. I mean, you remember John Darius's high school tape. I mean, it was it was really impressive. He was flattening people left and right. And a young kid, you know, I, I thought that was interesting. Like, did not really anticipate that going into the Charlotte game, seeing Martin and John Darius Morgan. Didn't know, didn't catch wind, West of the fact that Brian Thomas Jr. was going to be like that next edge. Obviously, the depth there really needs help. But I figured, you know, maybe it'd be a hot rod fitting who also played in that game. But Brian Thomas Jr., even as an undersized true freshman in the mix. Henry, um, you know, I think there was always a question of, like, who is the the freshman offensive lineman that gets the first chance, and it was him. Big physical kid, you know, also had good high school tape. Um, Corey Rucker, as as a newcomer, obviously made a, made a quick impact. But, yeah, I mean, th- those guys did physically look the part. Um, the one that you just put up on the screen, Bam Scott, Bam Martin Scott was the guy that, I had uh, highlighted in my post-game insider report. Um, I think there's still some work to be done there taking on blocks. But as far as a guy that can play in space, looks the part, can run, uh, he had the pressure on Chris Reynolds, the Charlotte quarterback, that led to one of the interceptions actually in that game. So obviously with the linebacker depth, having him out there as someone who can – you know, give them some snaps. I think that's a, a key development if he if he continues progressing. Yeah, good call there. A uh, a long armed kid, man, can can explode into the backfield. Like there there are some things to like about what he can bring to that position. And we uh, any anytime with linebackers, I feel like we we don't have the full picture. And you know, it's one thing to look the part physically. It's another thing to like instinctually be where you're supposed to be and to fill your run gaps the way the coaches want. And we don't see what the responsibilities are on every single play, obviously. But there are some guys at that position, man, that I do kind of circle him being one of them. Debo Williams is a heat-seeking missile when he locks in on a ball carrier. Now, I saw – I don't think they got hurt on it, and not to, like, nitpick. I think he got beat on a little angle route from a a running back um, when he was in man coverage. Like, I I wonder – I wonder maybe if that's to hold up just some coverage responsibility stuff. But Debo, I don't know, man. Like, I just have this feeling like I kind of circle him 
maybe as this year goes on, like I, I feel like I'm being a little bit of a prisoner of the moment. Like I thought he played very, very well against Charlotte. We got to remember the opponent. But he he flashed quite a bit to me. Like that yep. that would be massive for that linebacking core if Debo Williams could continue to gain the trust of the coaching staff to the extent that he can play more and more. Yeah, and, and I do feel like there's this weird phenomenon that it even happens to me where I feel like he's been here longer than he has. I mean, he's he's in year two, but sometimes because he's a transfer, I feel like you think, okay, well, you know, he transferred to South Carolina when he was a junior. No, he was a freshman who had literally not played college football. So he got his feet wet last year, comes in this season, and obviously has taken a step up in terms of playing time, especially, you know, with the depth being down at that position at linebacker. and. You're right. I mean, when he hits something, whoever he hits, generally I think they feel it. So he's got to continue to improve, but I, I don't think it's a stretch at all to say he's the most physical linebacker, you know, on the team, which they I think they need more of that, you know, at the linebacker position, whether it's, you know, playing on the perimeter, stop, you know, playing on the flat, stopping the run. I think he can give them something there to – so for him to continue to come on, again, that would be another very positive development for this team. Yeah, he went flying into the backfield on one of those plays and, and blew up a run um, from, from Charlotte. I'll tell you, the other guy, man, not that he's a young player, he's a starter, but going back over the game, I thought Jordan Birch had a much more impactful game than maybe has been mentioned or maybe people are, are for the most part, giving him credit for. So that obviously is something – South Carolina will need to continue to see. I think Gilbert Edmond has had some really nice moments since being kind of thrown into the fire. Um, these games are big for guys like Gilbert, I think, because you need reps. You need playing time as the guy, as the starter, and this gives you a chance before you get thrown into true SEC play coming up uh, to take a lot of reps and to learn from it and kind of to go from there. Um, I don't know, man. That's That's a – about all I got on the game itself. We, uh, I don't want to sit here and talk it to death and repeat ourselves. Um, what do you think the crowd's going to be like Thursday? This, this is one of those, you know, I've got obviously lots of friends who are Gamecock fans. I've seen everything from, you know, hey, find, find somebody to, to take my tickets. I, I can't go to, Screw it, I'm going to take Friday off, and I'm going to tailgate uh, that afternoon just like it's a, a Saturday game. Uh, what what do you think yep. expectations should be for the crowd? I've heard both, too. Heard can't, can't make it, plans are all messed up. I've heard I'm leaving work early. Uh, fortunately for us, Wes, it is work and fun, so we mm -hmm. get to do it. Um, very fortunate with that. But, yeah, I mean, I don't – Charlotte – I got to say, so Charlotte was a sellout, right? Great crowd, man. That was a much better crowd than I thought it would be. Really. I mean, you're coming off a very disappointing game. I know it's a night game, so that typically helps you, but that was a really good crowd. So uh, this one's a night game too. Maybe a little better than I expected. Maybe a late arriving crowd because you do have to factor in the work thing. I think traffic's going to be pretty jacked up, you know, from about – Four four thirty on. So I must say a little, you know, not as impressive as Charlotte, but probably a pretty good, pretty decent crowd. I think a lot of people are trying their very best to get there. 
Yeah, and uh, I think people are kind of excited about a Thursday game. Like, it is kind of fun. Um, it's a little bit of a throwback. Again, I think this just brings back um, – is there a nostalgia element here? Like, I feel like there's a little – it's a little like, man, the Spurrier era. Lots of big games. Beamer was rattling them off. Um, birth of Sandstorm against Ole Miss. Uh, the Kentucky game where it stormed like crazy right before, and I think that was the Eric Norwood game where he goes off and then does the alma mater in the middle of, I think in the middle of an Aaron Andrews interview. Um, they, so when Carolina opened the season against North Carolina, um, the day Shaq Rowland caught a deep touchdown pass. It stormed like crazy in the third or fourth quarter. Was that a Thursday opener as well, or was that a Saturday opener? You talking about the the humid game? It was four hundred percent humidity. I think so. Was that Thursday or Saturday? Let me see. Was that, was that twenty thirteen or is that the the road game? It's August 29th, two thousand thirteen, which does not tell us today. Anybody who's a savant in the chat. They can tell us what what are, what are your favorite? I'll look it up, man. What are your favorite Thursday games? Yeah, I mean, I that Ole Miss one is probably that's pretty hard to top, right? Birth and of Sandstorm. Yeah, I mean that one. I mean, there, there's historic value there, and and I just I remember so much about that Dexter McCluster, you know, out there. Yes. And the late Jevin Sneed. Um, it was a Thursday game. 2013. Okay, that, that 2013 game. I just remember how humid it was. Um, But, yeah, I, I I think that's the one that really stands out to me, man, the Ole Miss game. By the way, I, I love Beamer's story this week about how he called the wrong hunt block and another team, they tried to fake it and it would have worked, but he, like, accidentally called the wrong play, so it didn't. Yeah, he called it to the wrong uh, side, I think. Side. Yep. He said. Yep. That is funny. I mean, dude, people forget Beamer was a young assistant coach. He was. When he was here. He was. That, that had to have been such a scary feeling. If he real, I like, I, my follow up is when did he realize he called it wrong? Did was he tell like, anybody? Yeah, what was it like before the like did he realize it and then had to watch the play in agony knowing it was called wrong and he couldn't do anything about it? Or after it happened, was he like I yeah, called even, that, you know? Because in the midst of the play, he probably sees the fake and he's like, Great, this is gonna work. And then he remembers, oh yeah, I called it to the wrong side. There we go. But then you just look like a genius. Um But did he tell like on the headset, was he like did somebody say like good job, Shane? Like you you snuffed that one out. Did you see that coming? Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I scouted that. Um like, yeah, I even flipped the call. <laughs> yeah, I flipped the call. I, I saw the formation. I thought that was awesome. That that was pretty funny to admit that. I feel like a lot of coaches would not have admitted that. Those are actually some of his best press conference moments when he goes back. Like when he was talking about the defensive coordinator drawing up. Uh, a scheme to try to stop run DMC, Darren McFadden. God. Yeah. Rough. 
rough. Yeah. Um, yeah. The uh, the Ole Miss game, and I mean that Kentucky game. Those are the ones that that stand out to me. The Kentucky Thursday night, Andre Woodson, that game, and and the Thursday night Ole Miss game. Those are the two. Like that kind of defines. I mean, there are several, but those two just when you talk about the nostalgia. Those are the first two games that pop in my head if you say Thursday night. Well, the the Spurrier opener for me, uh, two thousand five. That one's up there. Um, beating NC State a couple times. I think those are both Thursday. South Carolina went to NC State and won like seven to six or something in an ugly game. Um, that was when Stefan Gilmore had the breakup on fourth down. Um, that was ugly. That was an ugly football. I think that was 09, if I remember correctly. And then the the game that Beamer referenced, the Russell Wilson one, that was 34 nothing, right? In South Columbia. Carolina. So Wilson got hurt and Beach, Tommy Beecher, what was that? That was 08. That was the 08 game, right? Played, yeah, yeah, that's right. Played so poorly on offense at the beginning and still won, still won 34 to nothing. Well, Chris Smelly came in and threw like a hundred <laughs> touchdowns. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Weird uh, game, but that was fun. Michael saying, uh, "Didn't we open up back to back Thursday games? Twenty eight or two thousand eight? NC State at home and Vandy in week two, and then lost at Vandy. Is that right? I th- I think you're right. Yeah. I think you, yeah." Vanderbilt was, yeah, twenty four seventeen. Vanderbilt won at Vandy. That was a, that was a rough game. Um, Justin asked, "Was the post nine eleven game on Thursday?" Yes, it was. We actually just uh, Preston Thorne played in that game. We were just talking about that with Preston the other day. Um, what a moment that was! That was um, wild. Give you chills looking at the uh, pregame of that game. Um, Final thoughts, Chris. What you got, man? I don't have a lot. I think we unpacked about all of it. Um, I'll have an insider report going up on GamecockCentral.com uh, in a few minutes, actually, if you want to have a written version of some of my thoughts and, and a little bit more. But, you no, know, I think this is a game that South Carolina should be able to control. But I think, ideally, you you go out, you execute your game plan, try to hit some explosive plays, score early, keep your foot on the gas, and try to try to go home. Try to go home by halftime, basically. It, it should be the goal for South Carolina, and I think that they should be in position to do that. Yeah, no doubt, man. And we'll have uh, plenty of more plenty more content on Gamecock Central. Um, we're going to jam as much as our, of our normal pregame stuff for the week as we can over the next 24-plus um, hours. And uh, we, of course, will have complete coverage from Williams-Price Stadium on Thursday and then after the game and then Friday as well. And we'll have our normal, what we're told, normal 11 o'clock Gamecock Central takeover on 107.5 tomorrow. Um, We're going to have a normal before the sandstorm with Kendall Smith. And then uh, it'll be kind of cool to actually just go right back in on Friday and talk about what we saw, talk about the game without having to to wait it out. So looking forward to it. Maybe we'll see you all out there at Williams-Brice Stadium. Um, Otherwise, appreciate the support. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Appreciate everybody arguing in the chat as well. Um, We're all about the interaction there. So uh, y'all have a good one. Thanks again, Clint Hammond. Thanks again to Liberty Tax. Uh, We'll see y'all soon.